they still killed him. And his willingness to go to the cross for you and I was because of his great love for us. The Bible says because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And he did it to defeat sin and death. And so he did die on that cross innocent, but his, uh, our account of sin weighed, put up on his shoulders. Because of his goodness and his love for us, he died. Three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating both sin and death. And because of it, we who believe in him can have a relationship with him forever. And so the weightiness of that, the goodness of that, I never want to be too far removed where I forget how good he is and how much he loves us. And not just me, but you too. So if you have yet to receive that extension of his love, let's not wait much longer. Because he is so good and so loving, and what he has for you is better than anything you can imagine. Uh, like Melissa said, uh, my wife and I were here for almost or over six years. Um, our two sons are in the kids' space right now. Um, I'm so incredibly thankful to God for them, and I'm so incredibly thankful to God for what he's doing in our lives right now. Um, but I, I understand the Apostle Paul in his writings all the more today. The Apostle Paul, in a lot of his writings, as he's writing back to churches, he says, how I long to be with you, how I miss you, I care for you deeply, I can't wait to see you again. That's my story about the Table Community Church. I love this place. I love what God has done in my family, but I love what he's done in yours too. When we came here, my wife and I, we were hurt, we were broken, we had had some things happen in, in our past that, that, that we just needed healing from, and this was a place of healing for us. We love Bill and Melissa and Cody and Kelly and church staff. We love you guys deeply. We love, um, I'm so incredibly proud. He's not in this room right now, so I think I can say it. I'm so incredibly proud of Ronaldo um, and the work that he's doing. I would never say it to his face. Um, no, I'm kidding. But um, in the work that he and Melissa are doing at Table Students, Table Students, you have no idea how much I love you. And, uh, and so I'm just thankful to be here today with you. Uh, a couple months back, Bill and I, uh, Bill asked me to go to lunch. I was like, cool, let's go to lunch. Um, it's, an, it's always interesting if you get to eat with Bill. Um, Bill eats um, like a competitive eater. It's kind of weird. Like, even if you're just like, hey, bro, like, are we going to talk? And he's like, yeah, yeah, just give me a second. He just ate really quick. But uh, then he asked me to come um, and speak to you today. Um, and I said I would be honored to do so. Um, and so I just, um, he didn't give me a topic to speak on. And so while I was here, my six years, I combined the things I combined things uh, about Bill and Melissa that I wanted to make fun of but couldn't. Um, and so today we're going to spend, no, I'm just kidding. We're not going <laughs> to, we're not going to do that. Um, but I am, I'm so thankful uh, to be here today. I feel like the Lord has given me um, something to say um, to us today. And so uh, my heart is for you. Uh, my heart is for um, those of us who are not yet in Christ Jesus to find ourselves um, abiding like Melissa was just talking about, clinging to, remaining with him. And then for those of us who are in Christ, who are believers in Jesus, my heart is for us to grow in our likeness of him today through the power of his Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for you. Your great love for us, your great love for these people here at the table. God, um, I'm so thankful for this church, um, how you use it, how you use it in my life, in my wife's life, in my kids' life, but how you continually use it to Draw people to yourself. I love as Melissa was talking about the courageous church that this is to go into the margins and serve people as you served people, learning from you, Jesus, how to do so. And so, God, I pray over the next few moments that you would speak through me by the power of your Holy Spirit. 
It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. There was this guy who um, one day he was walking uh, past a mirror. And it had been a long time since he really had stopped and looked at himself in the mirror. And I'll tell you that he was not pleased with what he saw. He had gotten kind of out of shape. Um, he Not kind of, he was really out of shape. And he looked in the mirror and he's like, man, I got to do something about this. And then he remembered that he had an email sent to him by a local gym that said, come and take a tour of our building. We'll give you a free pass. And so the next morning he got into his car and he went to that gym and he he took the tour of that facility, and what he saw, he loved the sauna, the basketball courts, the weights, the, the, the treadmill, all of the things that he saw. And then he saw some people that he used to know, that, that some guys that he used to know that were in great shape. He saw them doing this workout, and they were bench pressing 415 pounds, and they had like 4% body fat. And he saw who they used to be, and he sees who they are now. And so this guy, after taking this tour, he was so impressed with the facility, he said, absolutely, I'll sign up. I'll do what I can, and I'll sign up to become a member. And then he looked at his Apple Watch, and he noticed he had already done his, as he had toured, he had already done his walking for the day. His steps were already in. And so he said, I don't have to work out today. I, I mean, I, I saw it. It was a lot. It's a lot to take in. And so I'll come back tomorrow. I'll come back tomorrow, and I'll get it started. That next morning at 530, sure enough, he woke up. He was ready ready to go, excited to work out. And then he got into his car, and on the way to the gym, he passed the donut shop that he normally would pull into, and instead of pulling in, he looked at it, and he said, I don't need you today. And he got up, he kept going. And then he got almost there where he could see the gym, but then he was at a stoplight. Well, there was another donut shop. It's funny how many there are when you're trying not to look at them. And this time, as the light went green, the stoplight went green, the donut shop light went red. And some of you know what that red light at a donut shop means. It means that there are hot and fresh donuts at Krispy Kreme. And it was like he was driving a Tesla, even though he wasn't, but automatically his car just started to pull into the Krispy Kreme. And four donuts later, he woke up and he was like, what did I, what did I do to myself? I had this plan. I wasn't going to do this. I was supposed to go work out, but instead he went home. And every, every day he found a different excuse, and then one time he would go, one time a week he would go to the gym and, and do just kind of a beginner exercise, but then he really just would leave because he, it was too hard, it was too much. He, he had the membership, but he wasn't using it to its full potential. I know you're sitting there and you're thinking, is this story about you, about me? And I'm greatly offended that you think uh, that I'm telling a story about myself. It's just an illustration uh, to prove a point. It's not about me. Um, but the reality is, is that so many of us have said yes to Jesus, but we're not experiencing his fullness because sometimes all we get is one assembly with local believers every once in a while. We have a relationship with God because of the work of his son Jesus that he offers to us a daily relationship, daily growth by the power of his spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is, is God. He is, he's the third person in the Trinity, and, and, and he is God, and he dwells within us. And we have an opportunity to commune with him on a daily basis. And I'm telling you, um, this is something that I didn't understand until like nine years into being a Christian that radically changed my life, that God wanted to 
be with me every single day, that he was not just, he did not just justify me with his death on the cross, but he wanted to sanctify me, which means to grow me and to mature me and to remove some things from me by the power of the Spirit. And so I'm here today to talk to you about a continued encounter with God that will change your life forever. Jesus had a lot of conversations with his disciples, and sometimes I try to put myself in the disciples' place as I'm hearing, as I'm reading these conversations. And in John 16, he looks at his disciples and he says something to me that if I would have first heard it from him, I would have thought he was crazy. Jesus is laying out in the last three chapters to his disciples where he's, what he's about to do and the fact that he's, not, he's no longer going to be with them in person. And Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one who they've wanted for so long, he looks at his disciples and he says, it's better for you that I go. Now, can you imagine the 12 disciples sitting there listening to the teacher, they're the one who has, they've been waiting for, the king who they, they just knew was going to, to make everything right in their life, who's going to be with them forever. He looks at them and says, it's better for you that I leave. It's crazy to think about how the Son of God can look at his disciples, the ones who he loves, and say, look, I'm about to go, but it's good. I would have said, no way, Jesus, no way could it be good. No way could you leaving be better for me. I mean, you are my teacher. You are my, my favorite person in the world. How could it be good for me that you would go? Our people have been waiting for a Savior. Like, why? like how does that make sense? And Jesus just keeps saying, it's better for you that I go. John 16, chapter, or verse 5. Through 15, read with me. It says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking, where am I going? Instead, you grieve, in my opinion, rightfully so, because of what I have told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me, and righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Jesus says, there is much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. When the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Like I said, if I'm one of the 12, I'm, I'm confused by this. Like, I, I believe the words of Jesus because he's never proven to say anything that wasn't true. But I'm so confused by it because I've seen the miracles I've seen, him, I've seen him teach children. I've seen him heal dead. I've seen him heal people with leprosy. I've seen him spit into the ground and, and, and make mud and wipe it on a blind man's eyes. I've seen him do that in person. I've seen the crowds follow him. I've seen him break uh, two fish and five, uh, five loaves and feed over 5,000 people. I've seen it all. And so, like, I believe you, Lord, but, like, how could it be better? And Jesus says, if... If I don't leave, then he won't come. What Jesus is saying to his disciples is, and it's impressive, 
God himself is saying, I got something better for you than just me right here, right now. What he's not saying is that I'm not fully God and fully good. But what he is saying is that because of the choice that he made as a son of God to leave eternity and come to earth to become 100% man, he was limiting himself in, to be in one place at one time. Not limiting his power, because if you remember in the Gospels, he would heal people from afar. He would heal those who are near. He knew what was going on in the rooms. He was still God, but he chose to limit where he was to die for you and I. And what he says in this text is that, look, what I am going to do, I'm going to go and ascend to be right next to the Father, and I'm going to be praying for you and interceding for you and, uh, and uh, speaking to the Holy Spirit about what, you, what to say to you that will bring people to me, but it's better for you that I go. It's better for you because the Holy Spirit will dwell inside of each of you who believe in me. And so I want to talk over the next few moments about who the Holy Spirit is. He's the third person of the Trinity. He is God. Seen throughout the whole Bible, um, right now uh, my wife and I are reading to our kids uh, the book of Genesis and um, seeing how the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth, seeing how God used the Spirit uh, to create the heavens and the earth. He's all over the Bible, all throughout the Bible, leading God's people towards his promise. And we come to this moment in John 16 where Jesus is talking about him. We see him uh, arrive in Acts 2 at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is God, and he is dwelt inside of each and every one of us. If you're like me, you probably grew, grew up thinking like I did, uh, the Holy Spirit is like the weird uncle in the Trinity. Like, he's like, man, like, I don't really want to talk about him. Like, I know he's good and he's there, but like, I, I don't know. I just, I, it's just weird. But I, I'm here to tell you that it's, it's not weird. He's not weird. But he is good and he is loving and he is comforting. And the Holy Spirit has power and he is gracious in all things. But weird he is not. For you students who are coming back from camp, you like, you, you just experienced the Spirit of God in a real way. He's not a high that you leave at camp, this mountain peak, but he's a God who goes with you, who dwells in you, and who is ready to commune with you daily. The Spirit of God is how we experience things like we just did in worship, where you and I can encounter the true living God through the power of his Spirit. We are, it's like we are transcended up to his throne where we are worshiping God for who he is and screaming out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Holy Spirit of God is God himself that dwells in us because of the promise of the Son of God. He says, it's better for you that I go. Who the Holy Spirit? Next, how the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14 kind of tell us what happens. It says, now you Gentiles have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. So these people have come to faith in Jesus and you believed in Christ. He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. So Jesus, or so Paul, the Apostle Paul here is saying through the work of Christ, you have a full understanding of now who Jesus is, who the God the Father is. Or you have an understanding, not a full, we're still growing in our understanding. You have an understanding of who God is. And so now you have an understanding that the Spirit of God dwells in you. It's a gift given to you. Some translations say like, like a deposit sealed for you for all things for eternity. So the Holy Spirit of God given to us upon a confession of faith in Christ Jesus, a belief of who he is, we get this gift of the Holy Spirit to guide us. 
So when you become a believer in Jesus, it's a gift that is given to you. Like we talked, like I talked about earlier in Acts 2 at Pentecost, um, these, these men and women praying in the upper room, ready to receive, to go out. They receive the Spirit of God fully, and they begin to proclaim the name of Jesus. And many begin to get saved because of the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Like, like Jesus said in John 16, the Spirit of God convicts us of our sin. And so the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, he's a good and loving God. We were justified by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We were sanctified by the work of the Spirit of God. So we're growing daily in him and what he has done for us. What now with the Holy Spirit? Back to the gym illustration. Um, he admired those friends that he had seen from growing up. Not because they were... Uh, weird and taking pictures of themselves in the mirror at the gym. I know you've all seen those guys who do that. If that's you, I don't mean to condemn you, but I do mean to make fun of you. Um, but we see those people who, are, who, who have grown in their relationship with God, and we see them and we really admire them. And we admire a, a, a progress or a person, and we, we don't think about the process or the progress, we look and we say, man, I just, man, they're so far along in their faith. Man, I, I wish that I was like them. But what we don't see is a daily communion with the Spirit of God. The crying out to God in the hard times. The desperation for God when it's, when it's hard. And the realization that they didn't just get there because they said yes to Jesus and then just took a leap of growth in, 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 in their faith. But they daily spend time with the Spirit of God who guides them, who teaches them. And so... What now with the Spirit of God? I want for us to think about that for ourselves. What I'm not saying is that growing in God's Spirit, growing in love with God will just make everything great. You'll never have another problem or circumstance that's difficult. But what I am saying is that when you have those problems and circumstances, you'll stop looking at those things and say, oh, no. But you'll look at God and say, God, you are good, and you're going to get me through this. You are good, and you're greater than the circumstances. You are good, and you love me, and you're not going to leave me here. And so what now with the Spirit of God? Ephesians 5, 18 through 20 says, Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs above, among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are three things that I want for you to hear today of what now with the Holy Spirit for each and every one of us. Three challenges that I have for all of us in this room and the first one is to get desperate for his spirit. Have you ever been like so thirsty, so dehydrated? I mean, it's hot all of the time in Texas. So yes, all of us can relate to that. Um, I'm sweating just thinking about going outside later today. It's always hot here. And I remember those days, you know, work, working out at 5.30 in the morning, my teammates and needing water because it was even hot then, needing water and just like not going up to uh, the, the, the drinks and just taking a little sip and, and being like, all right, I'm good. When on a hot day or when you're dehydrated and you need water, just consuming the water, just, be, just carrying around water, knowing that you need it continually. There's a lot of us who are in dry seasons in our lives. In our relationship with God, there's just some things that just 
And it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like we're operating on all cylinders. It's because we're not drinking enough water. We're not desperate enough for him, just quite honestly. We're, con- we're content with just coming and getting just a little bit every once in a while as Bill or Melissa teaches us. We're content with just the words that they have to say, the, the sip that they'll give to us to provide for us the rest of the week. But, but I'm, t- I'm here to tell you it's good to get desperate for God. It's good to get desperate and just say, God, I need you. I need you so desperately. We see it throughout the Bible. Moses looks at God as God is telling him to go. I'll deliver you. He says, if you won't go with me, then I won't go. If you don't leave me, I'm not going. Some women get desperate to go get to Jesus. There's a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, and she gets through the crowd, and she says, I'm desperate. I've tried the doctors. I've done all this stuff, but I'll do whatever I have to do to get to Jesus. My favorite stories in the Bible, four, par- four friends carry their paralyzed friend on a mat, and they say, I'll do whatever I have to do to get them to him. I got desperate for God. And some of us keep trying to pass the desperation with other things that will never fill us. I love my wife. She's not God. I love my kids. They're not God. If my desperation just teaches me to draw closer to them, then I'm missing it. To push, to, to push my kids harder in sports, to, to get the fulfillment that I think that I need, then I'm missing it. Desperation is only fulfilled in the person of God. The Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of us, filling us daily, filling me daily as I go to his word, as I spend time with him, as I, as I, as I, as I worship him, as I pray with him, as I just sit and be still. We have got to get desperate for God. If you're looking for a next step, there it is. A lot of us think that rock bottom is just this place. I heard, I heard this person say this this week. So proud of him who said it. A lot of us think that rock bottom is this place where just everything that is hard, but actually what it is is a, it's a pivotal time to change and to get desperate for God. It's a good place to be in. You don't have to wait till you get there to get desperate. You can get desperate from where you are today. But I encourage you, if you're in a dry season, get desperate for the Lord. Plead with him. Ask him to move. Do all that you can. By the, and, 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 and here's the deal. What God is not going to do in your desperation is saying, oh, that's, that's cool. And I'm so glad that you're desperate for me. Every time... We see somebody get desperate for God, before God. What we see is him react in a way that's so gracious and loving and so ready to fill us with his spirit. So get desperate before God. Second thing that I want you to do as you grow and continue to encounters with the spirit of God is to, to stay ready, to have a plan. What does it look like for you to commune consistently with God? Somebody said, um, if you don't have a plan, uh, then your, your plan is to fail. If you don't have a plan, your plan is to fail. And so if you don't have time set aside to get with God, if I don't have time set aside to get with God through the power of the Holy Spirit to encounter his goodness and his love and to let his power wash over me and to, to, to know that he is good and to know that like he is a source of all that is good and powerful and he's, his grace is sufficient for me, if I don't have a plan for that, it's not just going to happen. I'm not just going to trip over it and it, then, boom, there it is by osmosis. Like you have to have a plan 
to commune with the Spirit of God. And like I said earlier, your plan, he's not going to just like, it's not going to be a plan where you invite him in and you're just going to be chilling there by yourself. But it's a plan that God is waiting for and is ready for to commune with you. God delights in sanctifying us. God delights in sanctifying us because as he makes us look more like his son, what happens is is that more people come to know the goodness and the grace of God. Anything that you see that's good in a believer is not them doing their work on their own. It is the spirit of God inside of them that dwells with them that is illuminating to them the goodness and the grace of Jesus. We talked about those people who you see that, man, you're like, man, I admire them. I admire their faith. What you admire about them is God's goodness in their life. It's not them striving to become like Jesus. It's it's the spirit of God guiding them into those things. And I bet a lot of them, I bet all of them have a plan. I bet all of them have a plan. They set aside time to spend with God. It may not look the same every day, but they're getting alone with God. And they're saying, God, speak to me. When I get alone with God, I'm just saying, I just say, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, if there's anything in my life that doesn't line up with who you are, remove it and fill it with you. Because I know in my own strength, I'm not good. The last thing that I want, um, the the third thing that I would tell you is to stay dedicated. It's a lifetime commitment. You will never be done being sanctified by God until you see him face to face. A lot of us think, all right, I'm good. I'm good enough. I made it far enough. I've read the Bible. I'm good. It's a stopping point. No, it's a daily commitment for the rest of your life to grow in his likeness by the power of his spirit. Stay dedicated. Don't don't be like the people who show up to the gym January 1, like I'm ready to get this work in. And then February 1st, it's like, man, where do they go? That that is me. You can judge me now. That is me. There's a little too much laughter um, over here. That that was kind of hurtful. But the reality is like so many of us do that. It's our life in Christ. We have these highs and these lows, and I'm not, like, I'm not saying highs and lows of, uh, of like difficult times. I'm saying highs and lows of like time spent with God. Like it should be like this, this consistent trajectory of like, God, I'm, I'm growing in you. I may hit a hard patch, but that doesn't mean that I'm in a valley in a relationship, my relationship with God. It just means I'm in a valley of my circumstances, but I'm still growing in you, in your likeness, Holy Spirit. Because you called me and created me to make much of you throughout the world. And so when we signed up, when I signed up to, to give my life to Jesus at 12 years old, when I said yes to him at 12 years old, what I was signing up was for a lifetime and an eternity spent with him, but a lifetime spent making much of him to bring him glory. Like, stay dedicated. And being dedicated, sometimes, um, if you're like me, um, you need people uh, to depend on and, and to hold accountable. And I'm not talking about the accountability that just kind of falls short and just like, hey, that's what I'm struggling with. But it's like, I'm talking about the accountability that's like, man, this is what I read in God's word today. This is what the Spirit of God spoke to me today. This is the plans that he has for me. This is what I'm believing for my kids as they come to know Jesus. 
those kind of conversations because what happens is the Bible says that iron sharpens iron and we grow together in the likeness of Jesus. So stay dedicated. I'll close with this. There's no way to have the spirit of God in your life if you have yet to say yes to the son of God. If you've yet to commit your life fully to Jesus and what he did for us on that cross, if you've yet to do that, if you've yet to give of yourself completely to him, really realizing that he is good and perfect and his sacrifice on the cross was for your benefit, if you've yet to receive that, I, I, I challenge you, I encourage you, I plead with you, do that today. And for those of us who have done that, but maybe are not growing or continually growing and encountering the living and loving God as we should, let us put an end to that today as well. Let us invite the Spirit of God into our lives to do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. As we stay desperate, as we have a plan, and as we stay dedicated to communion with his Spirit. Will you pray with me?